And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 180. It's titled Dealing with the Coronavirus. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hey everyone, I thought I'd make an extra public episode this month, as I've had a lot of emails from people asking for mental health advice during all this coronavirus craziness. Because it's over every website, every news channel, every conversation you overhear in a shop, it's on everyone's minds, and so it should be to a degree. Because it being on your mind can be helpful, but only in the right proportions. So, how do we deal with all of this? Well, first off, let me mention suds. Not soap suds. I'm fed up of them. My hands are drying out as it is. Which is tip number one, actually, before I talk about mental health. Get some moisturiser, some hand cream, and drink plenty of water. If you drink lots of water, you'll go for a wee a lot more, and it'll remind you to wash your hands, as well as hydrate your body. There's a tip. Anyway, suds. Suds, if you've not heard me talk about this before, is the subjective unit of distress scale. Basically, on a scale of 1 to 10, how anxious are you feeling? So I think it's okay to be somewhat anxious. Anxiety is helpful. It's an emotion, and emotions are there for a reason. Fear is rational. It motivates us to do things, to take action. Whether that action is to run away from a sabre-toothed tiger or just walk a little bit quicker for the bus because you're late. If your brain says something's not right, then that's fine. And you know what? Right now, things aren't right. Things are different to how they normally are. We do have to behave a little differently for a little while. We've got to avoid touching things when we leave the house. If we cough or sneeze, we've got to make sure that we we really do keep it to ourselves. Not just putting our hand up, but properly covering your mouth and sneezing into a tissue and putting it into the bin. Not like most blokes who just scrunch it back up and stick it in in their pocket like some snot-encrusted origami accident. We do have to be a little extra cautious at the minute, and it's going to encourage us to take action to do something. Anxiety encourages us to watch the news and scour social media in the hope that we can understand a bit more about the virus in some vain hope that in understanding it, we can control it. But guess what? We can't. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, think about where you are on that scale. If 10 is full-on panic attack, you can hardly breathe, think that you're dying, that's 10. 9 is desperate, helpless, unable to cope. Eight is panicky and unable to think about anything else. Seven, really uncomfortable, struggling to function normally. Six is functioning, but with strong anxiety. Five, quite upset and tense. Four, moderate anxiety and worried thoughts. Three, things are niggling you a lot. You know, that feeling when you're not sure if maybe you've forgotten something, like getting ready to leave the house to go on holiday, that sort of feeling. That's three. Two is a bit worried, but your thoughts are under control. And one is feeling good. 
Where are you on that scale? Rewind. <laughs> Listen to me say that again if you want, because I'm not repeating it. Where are you on that scale? Because like I say, some fear is rational at the minute to keep us on edge enough that we do take whatever action we can so that maybe that's two, maybe that's a three. For me, it's a three because I've got friends and family in their 70s. I've got clients with compromised immune systems. I'm a bit more on edge about it than maybe somebody else might be. Still probably less than others. But that amount of anxiety is right for me right now. It's not irrational to be at a three for me. And if where you should be on that scale is lower than where you actually are, then it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to tell yourself that you're doing everything you can and that it's okay to calm down a bit. All the deep breathing and relaxation exercises mean nothing if your brain is saying, nope, I need to be at seven. But if you don't, then it's okay to bring it down. To slow your breathing down with all those diaphragmatic breathing exercises that I waffle on about so often. To practice meditation or hypnosis, sign up on my website for my newsletter if you haven't already. It gives you a link to some downloads to listen to. They'd be helpful. And ask yourself this. Is that number from 1 to 10 being exaggerated by exposure to information in the media? If watching the news and scrolling through social media is making you feel worse, then limit yourself. By all means, connect with people and the world, especially if you're stuck in the house with a temperature and a cough for a week or so. But ignore all the coronavirus stuff. Scroll past that. Don't click the links that are only going to make you feel worse. One thing worth recognising is that, hopefully anyway, providing you, you don't have OCD, you've not been worried about things like this before, so there's no need for so much worry now. There has always been ways to become unexpectedly ill. There have always been ways to unexpectedly die. That possibility has been with you since the day you were born, and even before that. Just a possibility. But hopefully, you've always had the right perspective that it's just a possibility. Like everything else, not a probability. Maybe you've always been aware of the possibility, but it wasn't a problem. And you were able to stay at number one on the Suds scale, despite that. This time last year, how worried were you about any virus? How worried were you about car accidents or food poisoning or heart disease? These things have always been a threat to you since the day you were born. And probably more of a threat to your safety and the safety of those that you love than COVID-19 is. There has always been threats to your life and you're still alive despite them. And that's because you didn't mix up what is possible with what is probable. You had respect for the threat of a car accident, so you drove as safely as you could, I hope. You had respect for the threat of food poisoning, so you didn't eat chicken if it was still pink in the middle. And you didn't wander around licking handrails in department stores. It's the same reason why, despite being the world's most venomous snake, with one bite being enough to kill a hundred people, the inland taipan snake has never killed anyone in recorded history. People have been bitten, don't get me wrong, 
but they've all been treated with anti-venom and recovered. If we can respect the thing that can hurt us, take the right precautions, then actually we're probably going to be okay. And if you have a compromised immune system and you're worried about leaving the house, if the government suggests that you should stop inside for a few weeks and do all of your shopping online, that doesn't mean you can't do something. Even in those situations, you can probably still leave the house. You can still go for a walk. You can still get out and probably go for a hike through a local nature area. Just don't lick any handrails anywhere. It probably doesn't mean you can't pick up your grandkids from school. You just have to stop in the car and let them come to you if you can. And keep your distance. Respect the virus like you would a rattlesnake. And don't poke it with a stick just to see what happens. So make sure that the action you take is based on where your level of anxiety should be, not where it necessarily is. Remember, fear makes us take action. It wants you to put things right and create an action plan to try and control your life. So the plan you make needs to be based on the rational level of fear, not the emotional level. If you're 7 out of 10 on that suds scale, but you know that you only need to be at 2 or 3, then the action you take needs to be about how to deal with a 2 or 3 level threat, not a 7 out of 10 one. And within your action plan of washing your hands more often, keeping them away from your face, avoiding close contact with people, you give yourself permission to re-evaluate your action plan and understand what you need to do. But only think about the plan itself once per day. The government are doing daily briefings to keep us all informed. And that's enough. Once per day, you check. Am I doing enough? Yes? Well, okay then. If you develop symptoms, then reevaluate your plan and stop at home. Think of it as time off. Think of it like a holiday. If, like most people who get the virus, it's only mild anyway, then binge watch some rubbish on Netflix and read those books that you've always been intended to. You don't have to even go to the library anymore. Your local library will give you access to e-books as well, you know. You can read them from a computer, let alone a handheld device like a Kindle. It's all done online. You haven't even got to go and spread the virus around the library to do it. If you're well enough, do those odd jobs that you've been putting off because you keep telling yourself you don't have the spare time. Plane that door. Hang that mirror. Clean that oven and those blinds. I'm actually pointing at those things as I speak. I need to do those. And although... I do see the stuff on social media about the 1606 plague outbreak that closed the theatres and made Shakespeare write King Lear, Macbeth and Antony and Cleopatra. Well, well done him. He didn't have to do that while he was trying to look after a screaming toddler who's climbing the walls. So don't beat yourself up if you're taking time off, but it means you're not going to do your best work. Just clean the oven. That's enough. Actually, speaking of screaming toddlers... Someone asked me this morning about the best way of explaining all of this to their children because obviously they, they want them to be safe, but they don't want them to develop a, a phobia of germs. And like I was saying earlier on, anxiety makes us take action. And if we're too young to take action, then all we have is fear. So children do need protecting from the emotional overwhelm that can come from all of this. But if they're old enough to need to know about it all, then tell them. Tell them all about it. You absolutely must be honest. Because if children think that their parents are hiding something from them, then their imagination is going to be far worse than their reality. So tell them about it. But make sure that 
there is more to your life than that. That there's more in life than the coronavirus. So minimise the amount of attention-seeking TV there is about it. Remember, TV companies are after viewing figures. It's the equivalent of you giving them money. So in the same way that newspapers will put stuff on the front page to make you look and make you buy, TV stations are going to do the same. Don't fall for it. Don't watch. Just check in once each day and see if the goalposts have changed any. Don't have it on in the background, reminding your children that there's this invisible virus out there that if you catch it, you could kill grandma. Tell them the truth, that there's this bug that makes people feel unwell. And if someone is already unwell, it could be very nasty for them, very, very nasty. And so the country's working together to find a way to stop it from spreading. And that's being done by making sure we all wash our hands and keep our grubby fingers out of our mouth. It means we might not be able to get too close to other people for a few weeks, but that the bug will disappear like it always does and everything is going to be fine. Let them ask questions if they don't understand and reiterate that everyone is doing everything they can to keep each other safe. And try and stay calm yourself through all of this. Reduce your own anxiety with those deep breathing exercises and meditation and remind yourself that you have an action plan, and you're doing everything you can. If you're worried about the people that you care about, then are they doing everything they can? If they are, then they can't do any more. Worrying won't change that. There are two things in life. There are things that we can control, and there are things that we can't. The things we can't control, they don't need worrying about because we can't control them anyway. And the things we can control, well, there's no point worrying about them either. After all, you're in control of those things and you're doing everything you can. Remember that. It'll give you a a better perspective on any anxiety. So, let's go, folks. If you don't already use it, Go and start learning about online food shopping. A client of mine from this morning had just come out of a supermarket and all they needed was a a few simple things. And other people were running around like headless chickens with trolleys piled high in case the shops all close for a fortnight. That's not going to happen. Clothes shops, maybe, because... Maybe this is just me being a typical bloke, but those shops, they aren't that important. Sorry if you think that they are, boys and girls, but clothes shopping that's not really that important so they might shut for a week or so but not the food shops that's just not going to happen obviously because we need food the government know that it's not gonna be a problem but hey the imagination has no limit does it so be careful what you do with it and i will speak to you soon okay everyone take care bye